Very exciting. Congratulations, parents. And we rejoice with you. Love to see those kiddos. As Joshua mentioned, no CM today is a fifth Sunday. So kids, listen along, please. You can get an outline at the information table. Or if you're younger, get a coloring sheet, but try to engage with us. We really want you to engage with God's word and benefit from what the Lord has for us. Last week, we talked about praying for bold words and clear words and open doors for the message of Jesus. And Dave Fenska is going to talk to us about an, an open door for us right here in San Diego. Hi, thank you. Yeah, there really is an open door. First, I want to thank you because Grace Church last summer, when I asked you to do so, wrote lots of welcome cards for the Afghans that would be coming from Afghanistan to the United States into our area. Those cards were delivered to a local Afghan community center. And I wanted to tell you about the situation as it is today. Um, there are more than a thousand Afghans who have been brought into San Diego County by the Alliance for African Assistance. Now these are Afghans that were placed on the military housing, I mean in the military bases originally, but then are now being distributed or sent to various places. So the Alliance has brought more than a thousand Afghans here. Now where have they placed them? Where they're looking for housing for them, like, ho like, like apartments and houses, and you know that apartments and housing is very hard to come by. So where have they, have they placed them? They've put them in local hotels. Now this is a temporary situation, but there are at least four hotels in San Diego area, maybe more, that have Afghans in them, men, women, and children. Now listen to this. They have nothing to do all day. The kids cannot be in school because they don't have permanent addresses, and so the schools will not take them. Uh, they are very open to conversations, ESL teaching, uh, art, uh, activities, just about anything that you could think of that you might want to do to welcome a neighbor. They come from remote areas. In some cases, there is a group from an area in Afghanistan which is so remote that a person that Mindy and I know who's really an expert on these things says, to be honest with you, there probably isn't anyone still living who ever made an effort to go to that region because it's been so long since anybody ever tried. And so I was talking to him on the phone this last week, and I said, well, here's news for you. They're in a hotel now four miles from my house. And he just about fell out of his chair. So these are some Afghans who are out of favor with the Taliban. They were targeted by the Taliban, and that's why they had to be taken out. And so America is their new home, and we like to be good neighbors to them. So here are the opportunities. We have opportunities to do just about anything with conversation, with art, with ESL, and so forth, but it is a narrow window. The Alliance for African Assistance wants to place them all by the end of February. That's one month. I don't know if they're going to be able to place them all in that time, but the point is right now there's lots that can be done. If you are available, if you have a heart for this, if you would like to do something, here are a couple things you can do. Uh, see Mindy or me afterwards, and Mindy is right over there. Where'd you go? Right there with her hand, uh, waving her hand. Um, see us afterwards. One idea I have is that maybe we would start like an email group 
for information because this is a dynamic situation that changes all the time. And so the information I'm giving you today could be very different from the information I would give you later this week or at another time. So maybe you could get in on that to find out what's going on. If you want to track me down or track Mindy down afterwards, we will give you our email addresses and you can communicate with us and let us know. And the other thing is, maybe you would like to just come and observe and see what's going on. So Mindy will be at one hotel, I'll be at another hotel tomorrow morning. Sung has been there, uh, came on Friday and did some observing. Jerry Zeller has been there, has done some uh, observing. Maybe you would like to do so also. Uh, I'm just saying that it's a wide open situation. It's a door of opportunity, uh, but doors of opportunity don't stay open forever. So that's the way it is at this time. Dave, thank you for, well, many things. Your heart for the refugee and for helping us. Would you lead us in prayer for this sure, situation? Sure, sure. Our Heavenly Father, we just pause to look to you and we realize that you are the God who is sovereign over all things, including where the nations are placed. And in all of my lifetime and in the lifetimes of all of us, we have heard appeals over and over again for people to be sent from this country to other parts of the world. And now you are bring, bringing people from other parts of the world right to us, four miles from my house and very close to many of the, of the others. We're asking... Lord, what does that mean? What are you saying to us? What are you saying to us as a church? Uh, can we be missionaries right where we are? And I pray that we would be. So our prayer is that as men and women reach out in the name of Jesus to teach English or have conversations or teach art, that there would be some relationships here that would be established that would be ongoing, not just 30 days long, but ongoing, and then even after that, there would be a, a beautiful and wonderful time that we would have to be able to sit down with one of these families and say, let me just tell you, I am a follower of Jesus. I'd like to explain to you what that means and show you how we can have eternal life through the Son of God. I pray, Lord, that those experiences would happen, that you would open up the hearts of many, and they would, that they would receive the Savior and uh, find new life in him. Commit them into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, do consider, please, seizing this opportunity. I think you'll be very encouraged yourself, and God may use you wonderfully. If you have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6 or on your Bible app. Ephesians chapter 6. We are ending our series in the letter of Ephesians today. Next, we'll take two weeks to talk about understanding your Bible at kind of a big picture macro level. And then we will launch off into the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Today, finishing Ephesians chapter 6, Lindsay's going to read our passage beginning in verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. Rankin Wilborn calls it the law of undulation. 
Undulation meaning going up and down. The law of undulation refers to the ups and downs of Christian belief and emotion, the ups and downs of our faith and feelings. Wilborn references the Israelites who quickly shift from rejoicing in their deliverance at the Red Sea to grumbling about being hungry in the wilderness. That's the law of undulation. Cannot you and I relate? I know I can. Our sense of faith falling and, and rising. And Wilborn's point, point is that for the Christian, such undulation is normal. He says undulation is not a crisis of faith, necessarily. It's part of the life of faith. That's a great point. The Christian life is not about plastering a smile on your face and just fake it till you make it. No circumstances get you down in real ways. That's normal. Uncertainties weigh on you emotionally. That's normal. Doubt lurks in the presence of real faith. That's normal. But Wilborn asks, we don't like to admit this. It makes us look wobbly, he says. We don't want to look unstable. And, and, we don't give others the space to express the same. I want to say first, it's okay to be wobbly in this church. <laughs> it's okay to be wobbly. And let us give others the space to be wobbly themselves. But let's also ask, what might help us in those undulations? They're real, they're normal, let's admit that, but what might help us? What might bring some stability in the midst of our instability at times in our faith? What might steady us when we're a bit wobbly in our faith and feelings? What could be for us a kind of spiritual shock absorber? Bring us up a little bit when we're down, or maybe steadying us when we're just flying too high. And how might we help others in the same ways? Well, one answer I would submit to you is found in this passage. It's called a benediction, a prayer of God's blessing. In this last section that Lindsay read, there is a greeting. And there's much to learn there. But I want to focus on the benediction in verses 23 and 24. Benediction literally means good word. And here's a good word to you and me. What I believe we should take away from this good word is to live in the good of God's blessing in Christ and help others do the same. If you want a summation of what I think the intention for these verses might be, I would say, it's to live in the good of God's blessing in Christ and help others do the same. What I want to do here is first unpack the nature of these blessings and then think about applying them. So first the blessings, the nature of these blessings here, and then how we live in the good of them, and help others do the same. All right? So first, the blessings. First, the blessing of peace. Look back to verse 23. Verse 23 begins, Peace, peace be to the brothers. And peace in Ephesians, for these verses sort of 
sum up a lot of Ephesians, peace in Ephesians, first of all, refers to reconciliation with God. As people born in a, a sinful condition, we come into this world shaking our fist at God. You declared war on God, in a sense, the day you were born. But in Christ, God extends to us peace, full, free reconciliation. Ephesians 2, 17, he, Jesus, came and preached peace, preached peace to you who are far off, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near. That's peace, you might say, vertically from God, reconciling Jew and non-Jew to God himself. But in Ephesians, this blessing of peace, which flows vertically, gets expressed horizontally, you might say, in reconciling us one to another. That's implied in our passage, I think. Verse 23 says, peace be to the brothers. And that would really be better translated by an older word, brethren. A word we don't really use, but a word that includes both men and women, because that's the sense here. Peace be to the brethren. It's God's blessing of peace on people who formerly hated each other. Now, now in the same family. Now brothers and sisters in Christ. Ephesians 2.14. He, Jesus himself, is our peace who has, listen, made us both one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Did you hear that? God's peace tearing down what divides us, uniting us in one man, one body, the church. Isn't that a blessing we need in the undulations of COVID life together? Perhaps never in our lifetimes have we seen so many differences emerge laden with so much emotion. I'm not saying they're irrelevant differences. I'm not saying they don't matter, but we've got masking differences and social distance differences and vaccination differences, differences about how to relate to government uh, regulations or CDC perspectives, all kinds of differences wrapped it up, ra ratcheted up in, in emotional temperature. And yet here is peace flowing vertically from God to then spill out horizontally to each other. Oh, we need this blessing. Second blessing here is love. Verse 23 continues. Peace be to the brothers, the brethren, and, and love with faith. You see that in verse 23? Love with faith. And the two really are connected in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 3.17, the apostle prays, quote, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You hear that? God's love in Christ dwelling in your heart through faith, believing him. If I told you that you could leave here today more aware of God's love, would you have interest if I told you there's a sign-up sheet at the information table for those who want to experience more of God's love today, would you go and sign up? Of course. 
Well, here in God's word, he's saying, my love is upon you already. You have my love. Believe that. Believe my son. Trust me for my love for you. Take me at your word, at my word, sorry. Take me at my word. But again, in, in Ephesians, it's not just vertical. This is meant to go horizontal. In the same prayer, the apostle goes on next to say that we would have strength to comprehend with all the saints. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. God wants, to comp wants us to comprehend this love from him together. Together. Think of love as sort of oxygen for the body. We need love circulating in every part of this body to be a healthy body. My love for you, your love for me, your love for those in your home group, let's say, their love for you, your love for those sitting around you right now, their love for you, and your love for those you find it hard to love here. Your love for those with whom you've had a conflict. Your love for those that perhaps you tend to avoid on Sunday morning. We have God's blessing of love in this benediction to love each other like that. And then third, third primary blessing here, grace. Grace, verse 24. Look at verse 24, please. It's right on the face of it, isn't it? Grace. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Grace be with all who know and love Jesus. Now, don't read this verse as if you love Jesus with some kind of perfect, incorruptible love, then you get to experience his grace. In fact, the latter part of that verse might be better rendered grace and immortality, or grace and eternal life. But regardless, it's not grace being contingent on your perfect love for Christ. That wouldn't be grace. That'd be a contradiction. Because grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. A major theme in this letter, Ephesians 2.5. Even when we were dead, dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, he says, by grace you have been saved. By God's unmerited, undeserved favor, he saves you. He rescues you in Jesus. The passage goes on. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I find that verse so interesting. It's almost like for eternity we're going to be in God's trophy case, <laughs> a trophy of his unmerited, undeserved favor being put on display. I like how scholar Karen Swallow Pryor puts it. She describes this grace like this, she says, religion, what we can do for God, you might say. Religion, religion says, I messed up, dad's going to kill me. The gospel of grace says, I messed up, I need to call dad. You hear the difference? 
I messed up. Oh, man, dad's going to kill me. No, grace says, I messed up. I better call dad. I better say, Father, I messed up. Cover me in the blood and righteousness of your son. That's being saved by grace. So three primary blessings here. Peace, love, and grace. And these blessings, God is, as it were, placing them upon your life. Placing them upon your life if you are in Christ. Now you might say, Tab, it's just a prayer. It's a prayer of this guy a long time ago. What do you mean about God putting these blessings upon my life? Well, that's what God says happens through the granddaddy of benedictions in Numbers chapter 6. Would you turn there? I want you to see this for yourself. Turn to Numbers chapter 6 in your Bible or on your Bible app. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Very famous passage. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. I want you to see this. It says, quote, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, these, these priests, priests of Aaron. Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them the following, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. A lot of echoes in Ephesians 6. God's blessing to keep his people, be gracious to his people with the sunshine of his presence and, and keep them, and give them his peace. And then notice the effect. The effect, God says, happens as these merely human priests pronounce God's word over his people. Verse 27. Here's what happens. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. You see that? So shall they put my name with that benediction upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Through that granddaddy of all benedictions from God, pronounced through mere humans in God's stead, he says his name is put on his people, his, his character, who God is, is imprinted on their lives. His good and loving character is tattooed over how he relates to them. Now, if that's true of that benediction in God's word, I think we can safely say it's true of other benedictions he's given us in his word as well. That there is an effect of God putting this blessing on his people. I hope that raises the stakes for us a little bit about how we end our services. We end our services with a benediction from God's word. It's not a nice closing ceremony that we kind of make up. It's a benediction from God's word that we, as it were, pronounce over you a sense of placing God's name and 
God's blessing, you might say, upon you. It's kind of like it's kind of like when a pastor performs a wedding ceremony. At the end, he says, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Well, in one sense, he did not make them married. He did not accomplish something. They made vows before God, and God pronounced them. God joined them together as one flesh before him. But in another sense, the pastor standing in God's stead, is pronouncing what God has done, saying, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You might think about the end of our services that way. Nothing special about the human saying them, but we are pronouncing God's word over you, his infallible, inerrant word of what God has done for you in Christ. In a sense, in a sense, placing upon your life God's blessing of peace and love and grace. And I just want to thank Joshua because Joshua has brought that practice to us and really a lot of intentionality about our services, a number of elements like that where we just are trying to be more intentional in applying God's word to these times together. So thank you, Joshua. So that's the nature of God's blessing here. What should we do with this? So what? Let me suggest two responses. The first is to live in the good of this good word. To live in the good of God's blessing in Christ. Think back to that law of undulation, the ups and downs of faith and feeling that we all can relate to. Here, friends, is something that can stabilize us when we feel unstable, something that can steady us when we're wobbly. Some years ago, I quoted A.W. Tozer, who famously said the following, what comes into your mind, he said, what comes into your mind when you think about God, is the most important thing about you. That makes sense. But then I was corrected by what C.S. Lewis wrote in The Weight of Glory. Lewis wrote, quote, I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not, as <laughs> Lewis says. How God thinks of us. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Do you catch that? Certainly how you think of God is very important, but how God thinks of you is infinitely more important. Listen, these benedictions are how God thinks of you in Christ. These benedictions are how God thinks of you right now with his peace on your life, his love as the lens by which he views you, his grace as how he relates to you. This is how God is thinking of you in Jesus. Could that not stabilize us a little bit? I thought about Psalm 23. 
Psalm 23, verse 6, which says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, follow me all the days of my life. Now put the blessings of Ephesians 6 into Psalm 23. Surely God's peace, love, and grace shall follow me all the days of my life. Does that stabilize you a little bit? Peace, love, and grace following right behind you always. Peace, love, and grace right there to meet you when you wake up and when you go to bed at night. Peace, love, and grace when you sin and when you repent. Peace, love, and grace from God for the good times and the bad times. Could that not be kind of a spiritual shock absorber for us when the road gets bumpy? It can be, I would submit, because in this passage, the source of these blessings is not you. The source of these blessings is outside of you. These blessings are rooted in the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You did not earn these blessings. You did not achieve these blessings. Nor can you forfeit them. Verse 23 in Ephesians 6 again. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The source is the triune God. Friends, we get the benediction because Christ took the malediction. We experience God's good word because Christ took the bad word that we deserve. R.C. Sproul captured that, I think, very well when he described God the Father's wrath in the form of the opposite of number six on his son. Think of Christ hanging from the cross and hearing the curses as the flip side of the blessings of number six. The Son of God saying for our sins, may the Lord curse you and abandon you. May the Lord keep you in darkness and give you judgment without grace. May the Lord turn his back upon you and remove his peace from you. That's what Christ, as it were, is hearing when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He endured wrath to bless us with grace. He was forsaken that we might know God's love. He was cursed that you might rejoice in God's grace. So that now all we hear is peace. Brethren, love, grace, grace to you who love Jesus. These benedictions can stabilize us because they are secure in Christ. These benedictions are, as it were, God rolling back the shame and rolling back the guilt of Genesis 3. For all who are in his son. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. They cover themselves in fig leaves. They hide from God's presence. And maybe you're doing that right now. Maybe 
to be frank, you don't know Christ yet. Maybe you're here looking for a fig leaf to cover up. You're aware of your shame. You want to hide. In this benediction, God is saying to you, don't run from me. You can't hide from me. My arms are open to you in Christ. Turn to me and believe. I would urge you to do that. Come to Christ, believe him. Maybe you're a believer here already, but you are, in a sense, hiding from God yourself. You're thinking God has rejected you. When all the while his blessing is upon you in his son. Hear him saying through these verses, I give you my peace, my love, my grace forever in the one who purchased it for you and will never take it away. That could stabilize us somewhat in the normal undulations of faith and feeling. See them as secured by Christ and Christ alone. And so live in the good of God's blessings in Christ. But also, help others do the same. Also, help others do the same. We've seen in Ephesians these blessings are vertical from God to be expressed horizontally, to be reflected in the body of Christ in the church. Ephesians 4, 3, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 2, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Our passage, verse 24, Grace be with all, all of you who know and love Christ. They are corporate blessings too, not just individual blessings, you and Jesus. These are corporate blessings, things to be circulating in the body, expressed through each other. There's a helpful article we have for you at the information table entitled Benediction, Living Under God's Good Word. And in it, Mike Emlett asks... How benedictory, how benedictory are you toward others? It's a good question. I'm not sure if you made up that word or not, but it's a good question. In light of these benedictions, these blessings from God, how, how benedictory are you toward others? Emlet writes, what is the last word we want people to hear from us? I mean, here's, here's the last word in Ephesians. What's the last word you want people to hear from you? You're hopeless? What's wrong with you? I'm done with you. Look, try harder. Parents, isn't that often the last word, the main word our kids hear from us? What's wrong with you? Husbands and wives? Isn't that often the main thing we can communicate with our spouse? Did you try harder? What's your problem? Singles? 
Is that the main thing that goes through your mind about a certain friend or acquaintance? God, I, I, I am done with you. I'm done with you. Teenagers, kids, is that what you're thinking or saying to your siblings? I'm, I'm so over you. How benedictory are you toward others? Ephesians about the church. We live these things out together, don't we? Friends, as, as people who have experienced God's peace, God's love, God's grace, as people with peace, love, and grace following behind you all day long, placed upon your life every day, secured in Christ, can't earn it, you can't forfeit it. Shouldn't we express that to others? Does that mean we overlook sin? No. Does that mean we ignore real problems? No. But it does mean we give space to people to be wobbly. It does mean we give them space to be weak and, you know, kind of unstable at times. I'm glad people give me that space. Because we're weak and unstable ourselves. Friends, the law of undulation is real. You're going to undulate this week. <laughs> but take this shock absorber away. Take this shock absorber with you. Live in the good. Live in the good of God's peace, love, and grace, secured in Christ, and help others. Help others do the same. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what, what a tremendous blessing you place upon us. It, it's, almost, it's almost too good to be true. I know I, we almost want to argue back and say, no, it's too great, but it's not. It reflects the greatness of our Savior and his finished work. So Holy Spirit, would you help us right now? Oh, to be amazed by and rejoice in your peace, your love, your grace placed upon your people all day, every day. And help us, we ask you. Help us, we pray, to reflect the same to those around us even now. We ask you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.